Hi, this is Alex. And this is Ellen. And this is our podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic, where we talk about all things books. And in case you couldn't tell, I sound so much better, not because <laughs> of anything with having to do with my voice, but I now have a microphone, so Woo-hoo! we're not recording this over Skype anymore. We actually have technology on both ends instead of Ellen just having her microphone and us trying to figure out how to make that work first via um, speakerphone and then Skype and now we're finally in the land of hopefully making our our podcast sound good maybe yeah maybe people will listen to us now who knows (laughs) look out world we're We've got two microphones now. I know. We're ready to take on anything. Anything. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we're super excited about that. Welcome to the Microphone Club. I don't know what that club is, but, you know, welcome. We're now both in it. Yeah. It's pretty we may be, so We far. may be the only ones involved, but that's okay. That's okay. We can be a club of the two of us. Oh my goodness. Well, this week we are talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. Um, We have read these books before um, and I can can only speak for myself, but I think for Alex as well. We were calling her Sarah J. Moss because her last name is M-A-A-S and we both only recently uh, learned that her last name is pronounced Mass. So we're still working on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it's the first book in her Court of Thorns and Roses series. Um, and if you haven't read it, we will be talking in depth about the book. So uh, spoiler alert, you know, if you haven't read it, go read it. Come join us and talk about it. Yeah, but we won't be spoiling any of the other books, just this right. first one. Yes. Um, though yes. that's going to be really hard for us because, <laughs> like Ellen said, we've read all of the books in the series. Um, so, yeah, I I wanted to talk first about the fact that, like, this is a reread for us. And yeah. A multiple reread at this point. Um, oh, my gosh, right? Sarah J. Mass. Oh, my God, that's going to be so hard for me to say Sarah J. Mass instead <laughs> of Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> Uh, sorry in advance because I'm probably just going to freak out about that every single time because it's it okay. just doesn't sound right. I know. Every time uh, I say it now, I'm like, ma- ma- mass. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So sorry for butchering your name, favorite author of mine. But Yeah, right? Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, no big deal that she's like currently my favorite author and I couldn't even pronounce her name until like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we got the first part right. <laughs> <laughs> We got the Sarah part down. <laughs> oh my god. So oh. true. Um, so I have to say, I was really struggling reading the book this time. Interesting. Um, and I think every time that I've reread this series, because I've reread the series multiple times now, like I think this might be my possible like fourth time rereading it or something. Like I really have used these books, well, all of her books as like an outlet of escape and yeah everything so I've read them multiple times over the past couple of years and I think part of it was a realization that like I had made some very like distinct decisions in terms of like how I felt about characters mm-hmm. so like the first time you read it you get 
this one impression. And then the next time you read it, because you've read the rest of the series, right? all of a sudden everything is like from such a different perspective yes. that it's so hard to like have the same feelings that you had the first time through the book. And for me, it was almost like I like had a complete 180 with some of the ways that I felt about the characters, mm-hmm. that it was like a very, very stark contrast of like going from like love to hate or, you know, like to like almost to that like level yeah. of a flip flop. So sure. then coming around to this time reading it, I was like, you know what? I think I was probably too harsh in like both the loving and the hating or you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. almost coming at it more from a, like, human-centric perspective. Of right. Of no one's perfect and no one is yeah. all good and all bad. And For sure. Every, life is so much more intricate than that. Mm-hmm. So, like, reading the book this time, I was almost just, like, constantly rethinking my opinions of mm-hmm. a lot of the characters which I think just, like, threw me off a little bit from, like, fully delving into the book. Yeah. And then also, too, I've been, like, really stressed this week because I'm taking the GRE later this week. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, am I going to have enough time to finish this book? So I was trying to read it really fast to make sure I got it all in. Sure. So I didn't, like, delve in as deep. But then at the same time, I think also, too, another thing for me is, like, this book is such a great book like standalone book amazing but when you add it into the rest of the series it's i don't know like so distinctly different from everything else that happens that it's just like i'm already ready to get to what happens (laughs) later in the series right so it's almost like do i have to read this like it's such a great (laughs) book but at the same time i was just like can we get to the next books already? Like, I want to I wanna get to other things. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of different stuff happening, and reading was hard for me this time <laughs> around. And, That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like you, I've reread these books. This is probably... I'm going to say this is probably seven or eight that I'm reread like of my rereads um, you know honestly that's probably more accurate for me too <laughs> yeah like i mean it's just they're such a great series just in general yeah. and they're she's easy, the first author that actually got me to reread books which i i just love so much because you know me i'm a huge rereader i yeah, love yeah. rereading um so um but it's interesting because you were sort of talking about how um you know things change throughout the series like like many book series um although the <clears throat> Sarah J Mass seems to have a really good knack for like really changing things up in mm-hmm. her books um so um like so some it's a little more intense than in some other or a lot more intense in some cases than other books um but i i what i was found interesting is that i'm <laughs> I'm a seasoned rereader. <laughs> so like my rereading is very different than your rereading because like, mm. I'm very used to rereading things. Right. So for me, I can sink back into this book 
kind of as if I'm reading it for the first time, you know, like certainly there are other things that I'm picking up. Um, and each, and it's so weird because you would think after rereading it so many times, I wouldn't be picking up on new things with every reread, but Mm -hmm. every time I reread the series, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, That's because she's just such a genius and there's so like the layer upon layer upon layer of detail and intricacy and planning is just like next level. I know it's, it is unreal. Um, yeah. And I just, um, but I also, I, it's weird because I also kind of agree with what you were saying about like, you just kind of want to get to what's coming next. Um, but also I kind of love the relative simplicity of the, like, not that the book is simple, like, but the plot is also not simple on its own, but once added to the other ones, it's much more simple than Mm -hmm. what is coming down the road. That's so true. Um, and so that's part of what I love about this book is that it, um... It's like a weird little conundrum kind of in the series, right? Like you love it, you you hate it is not really what I mean, but like you love it, you're frustrated by it, like especially when you're rereading it. Not so much, of course, if you're reading it for the first time, but like, yeah, it's it's a funny little anomaly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But speaking of that, Alex, yes, let's dive in. I'm super okay. excited. Yeah, I I just thought of a movie that this totally reminds me of, like the oh, first time you. Which movie? I'm not gonna tell you until the next later. book because it kind of it could. I got gotcha. you. Ruin it's things, fine. So I yeah, get maybe it. I'll just text it to you later. Perfect, because um, you know me. Just, like, I, I'm not gonna to be mind. able to wait. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to wait, but I want to hear what it is for sure. Yeah, so, anyways. We'll tell you about my revelation that I'm not going to tell you about because it could spoil things <laughs> in our next episode if we remember. But, you know, remembering we'll is remember. hard for us. Because so. you're going to text it to me and then we'll make sure okay. to, we'll okay. make sure. Sounds Between good. the two of us, hopefully yes. we'll remember. Oh, that's still questionable. <laughs> um, okay, anyways, Alex, yes, we should dive in. To... Tell me who your favorite character is. So my favorite character is Feyre. Okay. Um, I just am so like appalled by the conditions that she was living in and the strength and fortitude and courage that she showed Mm -hmm. in you know the years that she was feeding her family and then she takes that and adds to it just this new like joy for life that Mm -hmm. she didn't even really think was a possibility and then you kind of get that new like not she's not a different person but she just opens herself up to new possibilities and new aspects of herself that she had closed off to survive so it was really cool to see that and Mm -hmm. then you can kind of combine all of that together towards the end of the book when she goes under the mountain Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i just i really like her i really like the character arc in the book i love her 
growth and her view of the world, how it changed. Because, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning, it was just so dismal and, yeah, you know, very hard to connect to. Mm-hmm. But was also, you were just, like, felt so bad for her. Yeah. Um, so then to see her grow into someone that you can, as more of someone who hasn't faced starvation and having to fend right. for your family, <laughs> like, can connect more on a, an emotional level and then see her just, like be a badass and save everyone so Mm -hmm. yeah she was my favorite what about what about you well unsurprisingly I do have more than one favorite character um (laughs) (laughs) Feyre is my one of my favorites for all of the reasons that you just mentioned um and also like she um she is who I would hope to be if I were in that situation, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I, and I think to a point at least, and maybe fully, but I think there's not much that I wouldn't do for my family, you know, to take care of them if I needed to. So I'd like to hope that if I were in that position, that's exactly what I would be like. Um, So, but at the very least, she's who I would hope to be in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, exactly. For all the other reasons that you mentioned, she's my favorite. And then my other favorite is Lucian. I knew it. <laughs> he is he is hilarious and like snarky and like totally like who like I would want him as my friend. Like he's just and his and I I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm stuttering, apparently. Um, <laughs> I every time I reread this series, this book specifically, I am so intrigued by his character arc, and I have some notes about it that we can talk about mm-hmm. a little bit more in depth later. Um, but his is a very subtle character arc that you don't even realize, or maybe fully realize how big of a change he's been gone he's gone through in this book since he's not like he's a big character right but like he's not the main character and the story Mm -hmm. is told um in first person right because she says i honestly i don't know it's yes it's first person because third person shoot i meant to look this up um no it's it's told in is it through Feyre's point of view? Well, it is, because she says I throughout the whole book. Oh. Okay. So, so that's third person, right? Because when I say, if I'm talking out loud and I say, oh, Ellen says this, that would be saying first person, right? That's third person. Okay, great. So then the book is told <laughs> through first person. Okay. Because it's, it's not Feyre did this, it's I did this, I ran upstairs you know i <laughs> you know so um i don't remember that i i think it's in third person but you know i don't i think it's written um my memory is shit apparently but let's see i need to like look at this book now because this is going to bother me um let me just read you the first two sentences of the book okay the, f- <laughs> the forest had become a labyrinth of snow and ice 
I'd been monitoring oh, yep, the perimeter. Yep, yep, perimeters. Yep, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. I don't know why I didn't. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just ignore me. Just ignore me. It's fine. Oh I literally gosh. finished this book, what, a day or two ago, and I've read it how many times, and yet um, I couldn't remember that it was written in first person. That's hilarious. Oh, uh, that just oh makes my me question so many things about myself. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm sorry that I'm laughing at you. That's um, okay. It happens a lot. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, so it's hard when a book is told in a first person point of view like this to really get the um the full points of view of the other characters, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's you know, it's told from the point of view of one of the characters. And so that's kind of what I love about Lucian, especially in, in this book, um, because it's this, like I said, this subtle character shift that mm-hmm. Feyre isn't even fully picking up on. And so it's harder for the reader to pick it up on it. Um, so, yeah, he just, I, lo- I love him. He's hilarious. And- well, and I'm sure it helps that he's also a redhead. So I mean, you obviously it certainly doesn't hurt. Him. It certainly doesn't hurt mm-hmm. at all. <clears throat> yeah. So what was your favorite part? So this was definitely hard for me because at first I was like, I really loved a lot of the moments when like Tamlin and Pharaoh were together, like alone, mm-hmm. falling in love with each other. Yeah. And especially with like some of the descriptions of like the natural areas that they would go to were just yes. stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't know that that's my favorite actually. And so I think my favorite part is very different than that though. I loved those scenes. My favorite part was her first trial <gasps> because that trial to me, first of all, I think it was like the, the longest of the trials in terms mm-hmm. of like how much, page space it took up in the book yeah um and you had no idea what the heck was coming granted mm-hmm. each new trial was just like a completely new thing but yeah at least you had the first trial to go by to know mm-hmm. like what was even a possibility and i just loved how much of a badass Vera was in that yeah. trial and her cunning and her skill and just yeah everything about that I was so here for it and Mm -hmm. I think especially since I know that I would have been eaten like right away (laughs) um and would not have survived the first trial that just makes it that much more of an amazing feat to be able to participate in as a reader because I know that, like, I would never be able to participate in anything close to that in my real life because I would just die right away. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So that was my favorite. So if you? you if you couldn't tell from my gasp, that was also my favorite part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for On all, the same page. For so many of the reasons that you were saying... But I also think it is just an epitome of, or the epitome of, like you were saying, her skill and her cunning. So, so much of this book um, is focused around her coming to terms with um, shortcomings that Mm -hmm. she 
is not really at fault for, you know? And so, like, there's all these things, right? She can't read. She can hardly write. She, um, <clears throat> she barely had any time with her mother, you know? Like, mm-hmm. she had much less time sort of in the riches part of their lives. Right, like, and she thinks that, like, all of that is what defines her instead exactly. of everything else about her. And like, that's exactly. just such a small little portion, yes. but she sees it as, like, the entirety of her person. Yes. And it's it's um, it's one of the things that I, I most identify with with her. Um, not <laughs> the fact that I'm, like, some badass hunter, um, but I... And I'm sure I'm not alone, but I have a tendency to focus on what I perceive as my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't give any credit to anything that's good or that I have accomplished in my life because the only thing that matters is what I've failed to do. Are you sure we're not the same person? <laughs> well, Alex, I hate to break it to you, but there's probably a really good reason why the two of I, two of I, oh. <laughs> the two of us are best friends is that we are very mm. similar in many ways. That um, we are. That we are. And um, so that's one of the things that I most admire about her is that this, um, this all, this whole scene, this whole hunting scene, like, they call it a hunting scene, right? Because Amarantha says, you know, go hunt this worm. Also, as a side note, I made this note. Can I just ask you? So the first time I read this book, right, they describe the worm, right? And <laughs> they talk about how it has, like, rows of teeth mm-hmm. and it's, like, terrifying. <clears throat> Was I the only one the first time I read this b- book that pictured the Alaskan bullworm from Spongebob? <laughs> Like that, just like oh has, my god, it has like some teeth, but it's just like pink and like mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's like that's what I pictured the first time I read this book. Okay, as a side note, that's definitely not what the worm looked like. Um, I I have to say I did not have that picture in okay, mind. Okay, any okay. of the times that I read this book, but so now maybe, maybe I will right? the next time I read it because you've just put it there so to live was, in my mind now. Right? Yeah. So. Oops, on that end. Um, but she takes, like, she doesn't even second guess herself when she's going through this, this trial, right? She figures out that it can't see her; it can only smell her. So immediately she's like, "Okay, so in the wild, what would I need to do to keep this predator from eating me?" Mm-hmm. And she covers herself in the mud. She builds the uh, ladder with the bones like she like it just it's second nature to her and I think it's just the epitome of all of these amazing things that she is and has become because of her circumstances that she doesn't even realize is so incredible about her Mm -hmm. you know um yeah so yes that's also why that's my favorite part I love it um Alex do you have any favorite quotes? I did. So my favorite quotes come from the very beginning and the very end of the okay. book. Okay. I wonder so, if I wonder if one of ours is the same. Continue. Okay. Thanks. I appreciate you allowing <laughs> me to continue speaking. Yes, you may speak. <laughs> 
Um, so the first quote is in the second chapter. Okay. When Fair is with her family and okay. her dad says to her after she had said to Nesta, like, you shouldn't marry this woodcutter's son, essentially, since you can't even cut wood yourself. You're so lazy. Uh, right. I mean, granted, there's an actual reason behind why she doesn't want her to marry him, which we, him, do, yeah, which we, we find, find out, out eventually. Later. But um, she's basically like, you can't be in love with him. Like, that's not even possible. Right. Like, love isn't a thing. And her dad responds to her. We need hope as much as we need bread and meat, he interrupted, his eyes clear for a rare moment. We need hope, or else we cannot endure. So let her keep this hope, Feyre. Let her imagine a better life, a better world. Mm-hmm. And I just found that to be, like, such a great idea that, like, she thinks the only things they need are, like, food to feed them. But you also need... Like, food for your soul and your mind to keep moving forward. And that's what her dad's trying to tell her. And she's just, like, so far gone at this point that she's like, I don't agree with you at all. Yeah. But you get to see how she eventually realizes that that's accurate as she, as you move through the rest of the book. Mm -hmm. So, that was my first quote. Okay. My second quote is from Reese in the final chapter. Okay. When Feyre asks why he, like, did what he did at the end. And he says, because when legends get written, or sorry, because when the legends get written, I didn't want to be remembered for standing on the sidelines. I want my future offspring to know that I was there. And that I fought against her at the end, even if I couldn't do anything useful. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yep. Yep. That sounds about right. Wanting to, like, make your mark on the world and leave something for your children behind that's good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. I understand that. I relate to that. I want that. That kind of seems different than this character that has been painted for us of like the high lord of the night court and the night court being this like terrible place but i think it's also the epitome of like trying to figure out this character who yeah. you keep getting like so many enigma. mixed signals mm-hmm. about um so then that last quote made me really like stop and think about him and be like what do we really know about him right I think there's more uh, to to the more than what meets the eye. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. Um, yes, that was also one of my favorite quotes um, for you know all of those reasons. Um, you know, and just also just the idea of wanting to make sure that you're on the right side of history. You know, mm-hmm. like um, because for again, sure. how applicable. You know, you guys know me. That's one of my favorite things is a quote that can be applicable in more than just the setting of the book and you know Mm -hmm. how true can that be and and in many points in in our history and in today and in the future you know there's you know choices to be made and 
hopefully you're making the right ones and doing what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I have two other quotes. Um, okay, so one of them was the final, my final yep, quote. Yep, one of them was the same one as yours, and then okay. I have two other ones. Right. So the um, so Lay it on me. <clears throat> the first one that I wrote down was after Feyre comes back from the spring court, and she's seeing her sisters again for the first time since being in the spring court and then coming back to the human realm. Mm-hmm. And she sees Nesta, and she just has this beautiful, poetic, like, thought about Nesta that kind of just, like, took my breath away. Um, and it was just, she'd been made differently from something harder and stronger than bone and blood. She was different from the humans around us. She was, I'm sorry, she was as different from the humans around us as I had become. And what I find very interesting in this book is, um, the sisters are not easy to like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Especially at the beginning of this book, right? They're her two older sisters and they've let her care for the family instead of stepping into that place as the older siblings, as the ones who um, have more learning and have more, um, um, you know, uh, just are just older, I guess really is just the, the bottom line of it. Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. as a, as an older sister, it's very hard for me to look at these two sisters and be like, really, you let your sister just go out into the woods and hunt at 14. That seems real dumb, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, so it's, it's hard to root for them in the beginning. And then she comes back from the spring court and she starts having these really interesting and really beautiful um, like realizations about her sisters and about sort of why they were doing what they were doing. And again, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard because the to- story is told from Feyre's point of view. So it's mm-hmm. hard to get the motivations behind the sisters. But I just thought that this was a very interesting um, moment where she maybe was sort of starting to understand a little bit more about Nesta, mm-hmm. you know? So I thought, plus I just thought it was poetic and who doesn't want to be made a little differently, you know, like, I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my next quote is, um, from much later in the book, actually not too much later from that part, but it's almost to the end. And Feyre has gone through two of her trials she did the Midgard worm, and then she did the fiery pit thing. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't have a nice name to it like the worm did, but, you mm-hmm. know, she almost died because she couldn't read. Yeah. And she, she talks about going into this really big, like, pit of despair, and she can feel that she's about to break. Mm-hmm. And then this music starts playing in her mm-hmm. in her cell. And um, I'm someone who loves music and music plays a huge part in my life. And so I just really loved just the poeticness of this quote. But then also just, you know, there are often times that I turn to music to help me through what I'm feeling. 
Um, so the quote says, there was beauty in this music, beauty and goodness. The music folded over itself like batter being poured from a bowl, one note atop another, melting together to form a whole, rising, filling me. It wasn't wild music, but there was a violence of passion in it, a swelling kind of joy and sorrow. Um, and I just... Mm-hmm. Like, and it's weird because, like, you can almost hear the music even though... Or maybe, okay, I can almost hear the music <laughs> even, you know, like, I shouldn't speak for other people, but... um. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just, it's just so, I don't know. It's just very poetic and I just, I really liked it. Okay. <laughs> I love that. And it just made me think of um, Hairspray. And I just started singing in my head. <laughs> I can hear the bells. <laughs> I can hear the bells. <laughs> Um, I love even it. Even though it's not, like, super related at all whatsoever. Um, I get it. She, she hears, you know, she sees her wedding versus you seeing this music. But for some reason, that just, you know, I like connected it. in my mind. And I, no, I like now it. stuck in my head. <laughs> um, okay, so Alex, there's many things that I'd like to talk about in this book. But uh, I really, yes. there's one that I need to, I think we need to share with the world. Yeah. Unf- your slightly embarrassing tale of this book so you read you read these you read these books before I did Mm -hmm. um and thank you thank you for introducing them to me because much like you they've become huge important parts of my life um but I remember I it was a Sunday (laughs) I sat down to read the book it was about 10 in the morning and I read the whole book in a day I was done by like 4 30 or 5 like I didn't get up I didn't eat I didn't go to the bathroom I just tore through this book and I remember I was texting you I think before I started and then after I finished and I was like oh my god I finished A Court of Thorns and Roses I loved it so much what a great Beauty and the Beast retelling and you were like what (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I was like what do you mean what like this this is so clearly a retelling of Beauty and the Beast and you were like oh I didn't get that at all so, um, I started keeping track of things that were similar between this book and Beauty and the Beast. Um, oh my God, there's so many things, <laughs> so many. Like wanted... even like my first one of my first notes of this book was like, "How dumb can you be?" There's literally <laughs> roses in the title of this book. Like, how is that not? And then. This beast comes to their house and takes right. her away. And he's and literally described the, almost the same way as, like, Beast from Beauty and the Beast is. Right? Like, how how did I... Oh my God, how did I not see it? I don't know. But, Ellen, that just happens to me all the time. Like, I just so I kind of see what's right in front of me. You know what? I think, I think there's some beauty to that, though. Like, you... Let's look at it whether it's true or not, is that you just sink so much into the storyline that you don't pick up on the other things. <laughs> Did that, does that make uh, it better? <laughs> sure. We'll say that's what happens. Did I, did I not fix that it? I Did I make it like, better? I think 
No. <laughs> okay, well, that's what I tell myself when I miss really big things or things that I feel like should have been really big. So I'm going to keep pretending like that's what it is. <laughs> okay, because I don't so, think that's what it is because it happens to be a lot. So I think it's, it's just it more that, like, too. I... Not that I'm dumb, but... You're correct, because you're not. I just miss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, I miss things all the time also. So, um, but I wanted to sort of talk about some of these things, right? So, sure. right? The first thing, it's called A Court of Thorns and Roses. There's a rose in Beauty and the Beast. A very important rose. Uh, he's the High Lord of the Spring Court. Um, his garden is full of roses that his dad <laughs> uh, planted for his mother. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, there's a part a little bit farther into the book where Tamlin shows her his study, which is filled with books, but it also has like tables and stuff. And so like that's much like Beast showing Belle his library. Um, I also noticed, so there's the part where Favor goes to catch the cereal, right? And the Naga show up, and mm-hmm. he comes and saves her from the Naga. Oh, right, like from the wolves. Yep. Right, and right, but right. The, and that's the but that's the part where he really starts to gain her trust is when he comes to save her from the Naga. Just like in Beauty and the Beast, that's when the Beast really starts to gain Belle's trust is when he saves oh, her. From oh, the oh wolves. my God! And then I forgot that they both like bandage the hand yep wow i'm seeing so many things all of a sudden <laughs> even though i've known now and see now that it is beauty of the beast i yeah. still didn't make all these connections you know, <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> then there's like the whole story of when alice finally tells Feyre like how this all happened and how um, amarantha was in love with tamlin and he snubbed her and so she cursed him um, much like the witch, you know, mm-hmm. the prince snubs the witch and she curses him. However, can we just quick, we're going to have a quick Beauty and the Beast sidebar here. Because I, relatively recently, let's say within the past five years, I was rewatching Beauty and the Beast because I love me some Disney movies. And <clears throat> in Beauty and the Beast, the animated version, they... Mm-hmm. In Be Our Guest, no, 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 before that, we find out, that, right, that he has until his 21st birthday to fall in love with somebody and have mm-hmm. somebody fall in love with him. Right. And then in Be Our Guest, Lumiere says that we've been rusting for, or catching catching dust for 10 years. What? So that <laughs> So that means that this witch came to this prince's castle and he was... 11 and then he wouldn't let her in and he wouldn't like marry her and so she cursed him but he was 11 and i'm like oh i'm thinking there was a major slip up there (laughs) yeah and that he was actually older than that and either like uh no time doesn't stop because of the rose Right. So they just must not have been. They were not. That time the, was not. Accurate. They were not using the math very well at mm. all. Um, so, okay. My sidebar about Beauty and the Beast is done. About, you know. 
Um, but those are just sort of the big things that I noticed. Did you notice anything else that you didn't pick up on the first time besides like the roses? I mean, yeah, it was mostly like the roses and him in his beast form. And then the fact that like the mask falls off at the end, similar to like his, um, the prince coming back into his human form. Right. And all of his servants going back into their human forms. Like the masks falling off was kind of. You know, simple that and um also I have a quick question about the masks. Mm-hmm. So right, they've been wearing these masks for almost fifty years, right? Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the book, when Feyre is sort of looking at Tamlin in his human fo- or his Fey form for the first time, she talks about his golden tan skin below his mask. Am I the only one when his mask comes off? I'm like. So is the rest of his face tan or is it super pale? And does he have like an awful <laughs> like wolf, <laughs> wolf mask tan line? <laughs> is that, am I the only one thinking oh of that? Oh my God. I didn't think of that, but now I'm not going to be able to get it out of my head. Like, and then like, and then I like to picture like, how does he fix it? Does he go out and lay in the sun, but covers the face, the part of his face <laughs> that's already tan? Like how, like how do we... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I think it's more along the lines of their fae so that didn't impact them or uh-huh. the magic they could he could just get his skin all to be one tone. Okay. But <laughs> I like my version better. <laughs> that he has to go figure out how to tan the top half of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. I think that's fantastic. I mean and it was I never would have thought of that. Yeah, it, like, I don't know, it hit me at one of my read-throughs, and I just was, like, because, like, she talks so often about his skin was golden tan because he's been out in the sun all the time, and then in one of my read-throughs, I was, like, but his, the top part of his face hasn't been out in the sun for 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's, he's real pale up there, like, he probably looks like me (laughs) as a, as a pale redhead up there. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, sorry, continue. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so yeah, no, obviously I did not pick up on a lot of the things that you <laughs> just described. And again, I don't know how I didn't, but... I will clarify that some of these things have were things that I've noticed in read-throughs that were not the things that I picked up the first time. Like, some of the things that I picked up the first time were, like, just, like, the big things, right? Like, you have to get her to fall in love with you and say she loves you before the time is up. Like, he mm. looks like the beast. Spring and roses. Like, those are mostly the things that I picked up the first time. And then mm-hmm. just going through it more and more is when I was really, like, oh, this is, like, really, like, r- taking a lot of... Right inspiration from her old crippled dad right like mm-hmm. you know like <clears throat> um but it's also interesting because it has some cinderella aspects to it yeah i was thinking about that when i was like reading it this time i was like but the stepsisters right um it's the stepsisters and um it's um there's the part Back when, uh, during the trials, where one of the, like, the other things that she has to do is picking the lentils from the, mm-hmm. um, uh, from who we find out is Reese's fireplace, but from the fireplace before the owner of the room comes back. And, um, in 
I don't know if it's like the original Cinderella story, but there are many cultures that have a, a basically a Cinderella retelling um, in mm-hmm. their sort of oral history. But there's one of them where that's one of the things that the stepmother makes her do before she can oh. like come to the ball is mm-hmm. to pick lentils out of um, uh, of a fireplace. And that's why they call her Cinderella, because she was digging through the fireplace. I knew the Cinderella came from, like, cinders. Yeah. But then, but I didn't know that she was picking lentils out of a fireplace. Yeah. Or beans. Something. Something similar enough that I was like, oh, this also has some Cinderella-y vibes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I see that. Yeah. For sure. It's funny because, like, outside of the some of, I found taking notes for this to be a little bit difficult, just because um, the notes that I'm so used to taking um, for our our little podcast here are for books that we haven't read yet. So a lot of mine are like predictions and like my first honest reactions to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it's funny because like a lot of my notes are about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> um, and then I have a good chunk of ones that are just about Lucian. <laughs> um, and then just some, like, little sprinkles here and there. Um, but I don't really have that many notes. Um, yeah, I, I found it very hard to take notes for this book, too. Um, I think partially because it was a reread. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this book together multiple times. Yeah. So, um just a lot of those things have already been, you know, thought of and discussed that would have right. possibly been written down. And also, too, that, like, I was stressed out, so I was trying yeah. to read fast. And, it happens. Yeah. So. So, um, okay, so one of the things I want to talk about, um, I, I wrote this down. <laughs> I want to talk about Cal and Mai. Um, okay. And I literally, I just wrote Cal and Mai, and then I wrote sex magic, question mark? Um, cause it's a, I think it's a very fascinating, um, like world building tool that I'm going to call her Sarah. Like I know her really well and she's told me I can call her Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> cause in my head I like to think that we're best friends. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think it's a really interesting tool that Sarah used in the book to, um, sort of describe magic and to sort of talk about the magic in the book you know because like the whole part of Cal and Mai is it's a time for the high lords to um <clears throat> like sort of get more magic from the earth and like bring more magic back to the to their court um and in doing so they have to have sex <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's such an, in- like, and part of me was like, how did she even, like, <laughs> like, so how did she even come up with that? So, like, it, then it made me think, like, is there some sort of, like, mythology that has, like, a similar, like, I don't know of anything, but I don't know every mythology out there ever. Like, mm-hmm. so, but that was just, it was an interesting, um, I just thought it was, I don't know. I just thought it was like a, a very interesting 
and different way to sort of talk about the magic of the world and and how they how they perpetuated the magic and made sure that their magic didn't dwindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think for me, I definitely thought it was like a very primal mm-hmm. example of just magic and culture, but yeah. also to that like a lot of what you see about the Fae just in general, not in the series, but like across the board, you they're often depicted as like a very cutthroat, like intense, deadly primal. Race. Yeah. Yes, primal race. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So for me that it like wasn't very surprising to see sure that as something in this book too um but i think for some reason i thought that it was only something that the spring court did and mm. at this time rereading it i realized that like every court yeah right because Lu- lucian talks to her about it Right, I think it's. I think he's the one who described. Yeah, it yeah. Um, yeah. Cause at first I was like, "Wow, this like is super, like cutthroat. Like I can't believe they're just like giving <laughs> themselves up to their high lord, right, to do whatever he wants with them." Um, Although, like, what like the I heck mean, is if you wrong think... with this court? And then I was like, oh, no, it's the entire, like, society. It's not right. just but the and, court. Right. And then also, though, like, if you think and look back at, like, monarchies in Earth's actual history, like, that was a very high honor to become a mistress of a king. Like, of, of a king. True. Right? That's and true. he is basically the king of his court, right? So, mm-hmm. like... That part makes a little bit of sense. But, yeah. No, actually, I, I like... Yeah, I didn't... Yeah, for some reason, the first time I read that, I was like, oh, sex magic. Okay. Like, (laughs) sure, why not? Like... I mean, it makes sense to me in terms of, like, it happens in the spring with the rebirth of Mm -hmm. the earth, which relates to fertility. Yeah. And so, like, to me, that just, like, makes sense. Um yeah, I mean, it's it, it, exactly, like, it should have made sense to me, and it shouldn't have been a surprise. See? I miss things all the time, Alex. Um, but, okay, but also, speaking of Cal and Mai, I think we have to talk about a very important thing that happens, and that is, I think it's really kind of her first instance of, like, flat-out disobeying I don't like saying the word disobeying because it's not like he said you can't leave your room, but he was like, hey, don't leave your room. Like it was more of like, it was more of like a really for your own sake, don't leave your room. And this is really sort of her first instance of being like, actually, I'm gonna do what I want. Right? Like, but I think too, part of it was also like, miscommunication misunderstanding Mm -hmm. when tamlin says like don't come out he means it as an order but (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't (laughs) 
taken that way, right? Me and it my girlfriend are suggestion. like, oh, he's just suggesting it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's definitely also how Ellen would have taken that too. She would have been like, right. mm. he said he didn't say you can't <laughs> loophole. Right. Exactly. Um, yes, but that is true. This is the first time that she. Not the first time she's, like, thinking for herself since she's been there. Because that's not necessarily the case. But, yes, her first time going against any type of authority. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and it's interesting because, like, it could have gone so much worse for her, right? Like, from what we've learned about some of the beings that live in Prithian like she like she really could have she could have died mm-hmm. like <laughs> um like homegirl you should you should have stayed home <laughs> <laughs> um and she almost I mean she almost dies gets raped like we don't know so like right so she comes across these three fairies who are like trying to lure her away from mm-hmm everybody else and we don't really know what they're gonna do with her but we know that it's not gonna be good right right? and and she's like stuck and then this mysterious stranger appears and um i remember reading this the first time and like i was like oh hello mysterious stranger i i'm i'm all about mysterious strangers um, <laughs> and he's like dark hair and light eyes. And that's like, I'm a sucker for that. And, Same. um, I, but you know, it, it, um, it reminds me a little bit of in the vampire diaries in like the first episode, like you've met Stefan, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, he and Elena, they're gonna, I guess spoilers for vampire diaries, like episode one. Um, <laughs> like you can already tell in episode one that he and Elena are like going to be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, like at this point, we've, we've already figured out Feyre and Tamlin, they're well on their way to being a thing. And then, um, but then this like stranger appears and in the, in the TV show, it's Damon and he's like, hello brother. And I, and I, <laughs> and I remember like immediately being like, super intrigued by Damon, right? And, like, mm-hmm. immediately, like, this is a really bad sign probably for, like, my psyche, Alex, is that, like, anytime you you introduce, like, a morally questionable, <laughs> tall, dark, handsome guy. Yeah, as long as, as long as he has dark hair and light eyes, it doesn't oh matter God. his personality Alex, or like he's not even, or right. anything. Like, he's not even the love interest, and I'm over here like, what's going on with this guy? Like... <laughs> Like, oh my god. Like, so clearly I have some things that I probably should work out in my own head here. But, um, and then he's gone. <laughs> like, he's there. He saves her. He leaves. And, but, and, and then, like, the story continues. But that was El- enough that you're already intrigued. Yeah, and I'm already intrigued, uh, by who we later find out is Reese. Um, and another high lord from another one of these courts and mm-hmm. the high lord from a deadly and kind of scary and unknown court mm-hmm. um <clears throat> which apparently i was also like okay 
Right? Like, when I think about this, I, I have the same reaction, like, just thinking about the stuff that happens in the spring court and we're like, wow, they're super like primitive and cutthroat there. And then they talk about like how no one knows like who comes out of the night court and like, they don't know anything about the territory and Mm -hmm. like that. It's just, they think it's bad. Yeah. And so you're like, wait, if these people think it's bad and they're doing things that we think are questionable. Right. Like, like imagine having, how bad this right? territory is. But that but, didn't, that wasn't my thought. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Dumbass Ellen is over here like, I'm, I'd risk it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning into one of those children of the blessed, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, <laughs> Man. Super questionable taste on on my end here. Oh my um, God. And we wonder why we're both single. Hmm, uh, maybe we need to look at we, different should we guys. Do, let's let's go to therapy together, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> let's maybe we maybe we need to talk to somebody. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And like, and like, thankfully, so like both of our favorite quote is a Reese quote at the end. And because we, we start to, to learn that there's maybe more. Okay. Let me back up with my train of thought here. Okay. So we see him briefly at Callan Mai. Then he, um, then the head shows up in the garden mm-hmm. with the night court si- sigil. And then you're like, see, self, you should not be intrigued by this person. <laughs> like, he's sending decapitated heads to, like, leave a message. Like, whoa. But still, I'm probably like, but he's cute. Um, <laughs> like a like a dummy. But, right, so then, like, that's the next instance that we hear about him. And then, like, the third instance, he comes storming into the house. He makes, um, you know, he's, like, insulting Lucian and Tamlin. He's, you know, on a mission from, we don't know it at the time, but he's on a mission for, or, I mean, we don't know who she is, but he know, we know she's, he's on a mission for Amarantha. Like, right. He, and, like, he, she's the worst of the worst and the fact right. that he, like, is working with her mm-hmm. should again be like, Mm-mm-mm. right? But again, I'm like, but <sighs> <laughs> dummy. Um, but then, right? And so then, like, but they're like hiding favor from him, so like he almost doesn't notice that she's there. And then he notices that there's three places set at the table, which also mm-hmm. like. Damn, he's so smart. Like, I would have been like, oh, there's two people here. Okay, bye. Like, <laughs> like. So for me, rereading it this time, because you know that that's how he finds out. Right. I was like, stupid. Like, Tamlin yes. recognizes that he's coming. They have enough time to hide Feyre, set Behind. up a glamour. Right. Mm-hmm. Then 
get rid of the food with your magic. Like, yeah. you have the ability to do that in the blink of an eye, right. even with your magic at the level that it's at. Like, yeah. how dumb are you? <laughs> um, yeah. And, right? Like, because he has enough time to, like, lounge back in his chair. Like, they were just having a conversation. And, like, oh, so close. Um, right? And so then he figures out she's there. He, like, takes control of her mind. To clarify, Reese figures out that she's there. Yes. He takes control of her mind. Um, He makes Lucian and Tamlin, like, bow before him before he leaves. Ellen is still like, "Mm, I want to know more about him. (laughs) Like, but it's not until Feyre gets under the mountain that we maybe, we start getting these little glimpses that maybe there is a little bit more to Reese than what everybody says about him, yeah. right? Like, we start getting, like, tiny little things. And then, like, there's probably the biggest glimpse is when he needs peace and quiet and he comes to Feyre's cell and he, like, calls Amarantha a bitch and, like, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. <laughs> there's... There is something else here, mm-hmm. even though we don't know what it is. And so certainly that's the point, especially the first time I read the book, that I was like, okay, maybe he's not quite as bad <laughs> as he has seemed, and maybe I'm not quite as dumb for being intrigued by him. But let's reserve judgment. <laughs> yeah, okay, so for me, I definitely feel that way and felt that way reading this book, but I yeah. think... The first time I read it, yeah, I thought he was like evil, terrible, like okay. was the villain hands down. Yeah. Um, until you start seeing this different side of him, like under the mountain when he's helping okay. her, um, because you know a lot of it you can easily still interpret as like he's playing games and doing like posturing and doing this Mm -hmm. all for a reason. Yeah. But then you get a couple of glimpses of like, maybe there's something else behind this. Yeah. Um, So it definitely took me a reread to like, see him in a different light at the beginning of the book, because, you know, by the end you see like, there are Maybe some morals there. behind this yeah. person, right? Um, so was that, like, your initial reaction that you're talking about? Do you recall if that is what you had when you read the book the first time? Or only now knowing, like, more about him by the end of the book as you reread yeah. it? Are you... No, so I was, I was definitely, unfortunately, a little intrigued by him even when I thought he was strictly the bad guy. Like, it's it's a little bit bad. But, like, I have the same feeling about, like, Loki in, like, the Marvel movies. Like, (laughs) he's not a bad guy. I mean, sorry. Rewind. I meant to say he's not a good guy is what I'm trying to say. But he's not, he's also not, like, entirely a bad, like, you get some depth to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But even when he's being pretty bad, I'm like, Hey, like, (laughs) 
I think it helps like, that you're also very attracted to the actor. I was, I, I was just going to say, like, and probably a good chunk of that is because I think Tom Hiddleston is a very attractive man. So, like, it could certainly be a little bit different. But that's what I'm saying, right? It's like, so even the first time I read this book and, like, what is wrong with me that they're like, and he's, like, the most attractive person I've ever seen. And I was like, got it. Great. <laughs> I'm Sold. good. I'm good with yeah. that. Just that. <laughs> Ellen, come on. Come on, Ellen. How shallow are you? I'd like to think that I only do this in like pop culture things like books, movies, and TV shows. Um, so to make myself feel better, that's what I'm going to pretend is that it's okay. for sure only mm-hmm. in not real life Perfect. that I. <laughs> okay. I can go along with that. Oh sure. my gosh. Oh my gosh. So embarrassing. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like, unfor- unfortunately, I was very intrigued right away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I have a, uh, uh, um, I want to talk about Tamlin and Feyre falling in love. Okay. And I would like to start it off by the beautiful moment <laughs> after... Um, he has brought her to the spring court and she, uh, gets all cleaned up and he's seeing her for the first time. Clean. <laughs> and he's like, you look clean. Yes. Or your hair he's, looks clean. He says, he's, <laughs> so I just want to read this passage because it is so endearing and adorable. Like, okay, so I wanted nothing more to the bury my face in the plate and then eat my way down the table, but I pinned my hands beneath my thighs and stared at the two fairies. They watched me too closely to be casual. Tamlin straightened a bit and said, you look better than before. Was that a compliment? I could have sworn Lucian gave Tamlin an encouraging nod. And your hair is clean. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just... Like, <laughs> like it's just the funniest mm-hmm. and like, and it's so endearing, right? Like he's like, he's trying to compliment her, but like clearly he's so uncomfortable. Like, and like we, so right after finishing the book, we know that he's trying to compliment her because he's trying to, one, he's trying to figure out if one, he can fall in love with her or she can fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, but also, like, we learn more about him later, right? That he was, like, basically raised in war bands. And, like, he <laughs> didn't spend time in court, like, learning to flatter people. And, like... Oh, but speaking <laughs> of that, I loved his poems that he wrote yes. for her with the yes. words that she didn't know. Oh. I, I love the part where he's, like, when he finds the letter or the list and he's, like, are you... Planning to kill me and dismember me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, yes, the poems that he wrote, like, adorable. Um, but like, I just, and it it felt very relatable though, right? Like, we've all been in situations where we've been like, super into somebody and we're like, we're gonna be, I'm gonna be so slick. Like, look (laughs) at me. I'm gonna be so cool. Let me, just watch this. And then you say something and you're like, um... What? Or like Just... you trip and fall like <laughs> yes! right in front of them or something and, like that. Oh my like... god. That happened to me sophomore year in college. The most attractive guy on campus. It was Halloween and I was nice. wearing heels. 
Okay. Um, because I was trying to be sexy and dressed like a librarian, <laughs> and I looked terrible, and it was such a bad idea. And we oh, were no. in the basement of ATO frat, and I was dancing, and I fell. Like, I'm, but like I have somehow... such secondhand embarrassment for you right now. <laughs> but like somehow, like like my ankle just like went down. Oh, but it did somehow... like the it did the like the foot flop, right? Like, and yeah. like I just like collapsed, but somehow <laughs> I like caught myself. Okay. So I was like at the on the floor, like squatting basically, <laughs> and like I like get up and I turn. And he's, like, right there staring at me. And I was just like, no. <laughs> of course, my ankle, like, got super swollen. And yeah. I couldn't go out for the rest of Halloween weekend, which was... Actually, no, this was freshman year. This was not sophomore year. This was freshman okay. year. Where I really didn't know anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was... That's one embarrassing how have I never, story about me. How have I never... Well, maybe I've heard it before and I just don't remember, but I don't think I have. That's um... no. I feel like there are probably multiple like embarrassing college stories that I just don't. That'll talk be our. About a that'll lot. be our next podcast, Alex and Ellen's embarrassing stories podcast. There's a lot of those. Isn't isn't that a nice succinct title? <laughs> Very searchable too. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, yeah, so how like, did I just, we? How did we get on? How did I, I just? I was just saying, it's very relatable. His, you look right, better right, than right, before, right? And then I was like, like, relatable, like falling down in front of someone, and then I had yeah. an actual so, story you know, about falling down. So, so right, clearly, right, right. I okay. was right. You know, clearly, I was right. It's very relatable. Yeah, um, but Ellen, we didn't fall in love. He didn't notice me <laughs> in a good way. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he probably noticed you. <laughs> Unfortunately, it might not have been in the way that you wanted to him to have noticed you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's um, it's it's so interesting to me because like it's for such a huge chunk of this book, like you can. <clears throat> okay, actually, I should re I should go back a little bit. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having... Where are you going I'm, with this? <laughs> I'm having a moment. Okay. So it's pretty obvious what direction this book is going in. Like, they're going to fall in love, especially mm-hmm. if you know that it's based on Beauty and the Beast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that helps a lot, for sure. Um, but I remember the first time I read this book, because I also love Lucian so much, I was a little bit like... Oh. Are we going to have, like, a little love triangle? Because, like, her repartee with Lucian is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the right? It starts at the beginning when Alice is, like, he can use someone to snap at him once in a while. Yeah. And then they have this fun sort of back and forth. Um, but, um, but, of course, mostly <clears throat> I had this, like, thought, like, oh, maybe it'll be a, a love triangle. And then I was like, as it progressed, it was much more clear that it wasn't going to be. It was very much going to be Feyre and um, Tamlin falling mm-hmm. in love with each other. But I find um, in the rereading of it <laughs> that it's kind of a miracle that she fell in love with him um, because, okay, so this is frustrating to me, re- rereading this book. Tell me if you had the same issue. Okay. He... We find out at the end of the book, right, that he has had 49 years to get this 
human girl who hated a fairy, killed a fairy to fall in love with him. He finally, in the last like months before these 49 years are about to end, he he gets the human woman. She kills the fairy. He gets her to the spring court. And his goal is to have her fall in love with him. And what the fuck does he do? He spends all of almost all of his days off the property, like hunting and on the border. And when he does spend time with her, it seems like it's only minutes at a time. And I'm like, that's so true. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. Like, I feel like I needed to sit down with Tamlin and be like, let's have a class on how to form a relationship with someone. <laughs> Especially when. Not even a romantic relationship, but just like right. any kind of relationship. Right. But like, especially when the fate of your whole world depends on it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and like, I'm glad that it, they fell in love. It all worked. Like, uh, it works out for them. Like, right. Like through a convoluted series of horrific tasks, but like eventually they get back, you know, right. They save everybody, but I'm like, it's kind of a miracle, sir, because you're off running around half the time and she's like painting. Like, (laughs) how did you guys fall in love? Did you have this? Like, (laughs) did you feel that at all? Because like I, especially in rereads, I've been like, what? I didn't until you just said this, and now okay. I'm like, yeah. Because at first, when you realized that he had all these years to do this, and he is only getting to it now, you're like, what was going on? But then you find out that like he sent so many of his members of court yeah. to their deaths that he just like couldn't do it anymore, yeah. and then... By the end, he was like, okay, I guess I better try one more time. And right. Thinking about it now, you'd think that he would try harder. Right. Um, as a side note, as a procrastinator myself, I do also kind of understand the, like, he must have been panicking, right? Like, because now that he finally had her there, now he's like, oh, my, oh my God, like, oh, God. like <laughs> Yeah, like, how am I supposed to get this person who hates my people right to fall in love with me yes. and who sees themselves as a prisoner yes in my home also as a side note like there's there is truth to the whole if you don't love yourself you can't love other people thing so like of course a good chunk of this book does have to be Feyre learning to love herself which it is right like mm-hmm. she really comes to terms with all of that um which I guess is important, but like, yeah, <laughs> I get just, every time I get so frustrated, I'm like, your time is running out. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. Your, your days are numbered here. Yeah. And I think, um, for me in rereading this book, like yeah. I didn't really realize like how, much he puts her first mm-hmm. and really thinking about like wow he sent her away mm-hmm. instead of risking her safety when he yeah. could save his entire people 
right. he sends her away. Mm-hmm. And... Which I would like to also discuss after you're done making your point. Okay. And just, like, for me, I think that hit me. But, like, in this reread, it just really, really hit me as to, like, how, I don't know, not how good he is because that's not necessarily true because you could say that like because he chose her over his people he made a bad decision or right right but just um how much he really sacrificed for her Mm -hmm. um which i think i've forgotten um until rereading this again yeah so that's sort of what i like the romantic part of me is like that's amazing he put her first all of that stuff the pragmatic part of me that has never been in that sort of situation and feels like she can make an assumption on how she would act, mm-hmm. even though she's never been in that situation, is like, dude, there's no question. Like, get her to fall in love with you, break the spell, be a badass, kill the bitch under the mountain, you're done. Like, <laughs> like it's, you know, like, it's, like... It's, um, it's just such a frustrating. Right. Because then, because then you also see what his decision did and how it just tore her apart and made her go through all of these things, which he couldn't know, you know, he thought in making the decision that he he can't see the future, you know, keeping her safe. So right. It was. And really, technically, his decision did keep her safe because it got her out of Prithian. Yes. Her decision, which he maybe could have figured out, would have been a logical next step for her, just knowing what she does for the people she loves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, so your whole, like, let her fall in love with you, say she loves you, and save the day equates to... In his mind to let her say she loves you and now Amarantha is going to kill her and kill you and right. destroy your land because she's going to take away everything that you love and she's everything's going to be 20,000 times worse than right if, you know, I suppose you're right go, <laughs> you know I suppose you're right Okay, fine, whatever. Um, Okay, so there's, like, I guess two things that I want to talk about left. Okay. One, I want to talk about subtle character development, mostly around Lucian, but I have some other points as well. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about, like, the ending. So you, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um, let me think about this. For a hot second. Not like a lukewarm second. It has to be hot. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Cold and lukewarm are not allowed. Not acceptable. Got no. it. Um, I don't know that there's anything else really that... Like, I'm sure we've talked about lots of different things about this book that I can't recall yeah. that would be good to I know. bring up in this episode, but... That's what our series wrap is about. <laughs> if everything we, think of we forget <laughs> everything we forget um Perfect. we can talk about that there too okay. um okay so then 
you take your pick. Do you want to talk about subtle character development or the end? Let's leave the end for the end. Great. So, subtle character development. Um, like I said, it's one of the reasons that I love Lucian's character in this book. Um, and this is this is something that has also sort of snuck up on me the more times I reread the series. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> especially with him, but also with Feyre's sisters. Okay. Um, so, with Lucian, very understandably, <laughs> we meet him and he's like, who is this chick who killed my friend? I don't like her. Like... I hate that this is the... And, of course, later we realize that part of it is also, I hate this is the position that we've been put in. Like, you know, all of this Mm -hmm. extra stuff. And... But what I found interesting and have found interesting in my my rereads is um, on... Of the hardcover book, on page 165, uh, Feyre and Lucian are talking to each other. And he um, says to her, flat out... Um, so she, she's, she's thanking him for his advice on the surreal, mm-hmm. right? And then he says to her, like, I made you this promise that if I, or kind of made the statement that if I heard you scream, I'd come to your rescue, you know, but I hesitated. And then she says something, you know, um, whatever. Uh, oh, she says something. If you still want me dead, you might have to try harder. And he says, it's not what I intended. And then he goes, but I wouldn't shed any tears, right? Is what he says to her on page like 165. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the book, like when she's fighting the worm, Lucian is the one who's like, he is to your left. And mm-hmm. Lucian is the one who comes and heals her the first time. And Lucian, and it's like these little things where you're like, oh my God, like he like doesn't like, he cares about her, not maybe in like a romantic way, but like she has become a part of his little family that he has had to create since his horrifically tragic backstory. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And so like, why does everyone have a horrifically tragic backstory <laughs> in this book? Because you know what? Regular characters are boring to read about. Like nobody wants to read about, the, the kid who grew up with a happy family and everything has been happy and they've had no struggles and they're happy. You know, like, that's just... <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody wants... I guess I shouldn't say nobody wants to read that book, but, like, mm. it's not as appealing as this... So let's take Lucian. This uh, boy was born in the seventh son to the High Lord of autumn court and it's a cutthroat court and everybody knows that it's not actually the oldest who gets the the to inherit everything but it's the strongest and so like that adds like a whole horrific like side to everything and then um he falls in love with not nobility and his father has her murdered in front of him while his brothers hold him back and then he leaves the autumn court, gives up everything for the autumn of the autumn court, goes to the spring court, and then Tamlin sends him to Amarantha and she rips his eye out, like <laughs> and like yeah. sends him back. Yeah. And like that's much more interesting than oh I, I had a great childhood. Like, you know, like <laughs> okay. you want to root for those underdogs, right? Yeah, that's true. 
That's, um, that's fair. But I like, think he's... For me, yeah. in this reread, because, like, you, like, I like him as a character, and I remember yeah. liking him a lot in this first book. And so I think I was very taken aback when initially he was, like, so hostile toward her mm-hmm. and was not friendly and like it makes sense but at the same time I was like but you want her to fall in love with your high lords you need to be nice to her like what are you doing like I don't remember any of this like I like you who are you where'd you like where'd this <laughs> right. character that I like go right. um forgetting that you don't necessarily like him right away right and I yeah. had totally forgotten about that. Um, so I have just a couple little notes that are like my favorite little snippets of him, mm-hmm. and and mostly and Fre- Fre- Freyra, <laughs> and Feyre. So the first one is like kind of the first time that she, um, snaps at him. Right? She, you know, Alice told her that he, you know, he's snarky. He he needs someone who's gonna give as much as he mm-hmm. dishes out. Right? Like he needs someone who's gonna go head head ahead with him and so um he um um (laughs) she uh they're talking on page 92 of the hardcover book and he's talking um they've they were just out in the forest together they went through the thing with the boggy um and He's talking about how her aim is probably not that good. Hmm. And she says, um, he says, he says a joke to her that he thinks is funny, but he says, I suppose you humans are such hateful cowards that you have wet yourself curled up and waited to die if you'd known beyond a doubt what Andrus really was. And then he goes, do you ever stop being so serious and dull? Because like to him, he thinks that's a hilarious joke. And of course to the human, she's like, um ouch but then she says do you ever yeah and then but she goes do you ever stop being do you ever stop oh my god i can't even read do you ever stop being such a prick i snapped back and then she thinks to herself dead really truly i should have been dead for that (laughs) and then he grins at her and he goes much better right so like immediately he's like there we go like you know like and i think unfortunate not unfortunately like that's his way of trying to reach out to her right like he because we all know people who are a little bit more like that, right? They're snarky and they're a little bit more um, edgy, I guess, is kind of the right word, mm-hmm. right? But, like, that's his way of trying to build that bridge, right? right. If, if, he, if he could be snarky with her, that can be, like, the first step, and then maybe they can build past it. Um, and then... Um, my one of probably my favorite little tidbit about their friendship is um this is now at the um summer solstice uh you get this little bit of information like he's trying to stop her from drinking the wine Mm -hmm. um but then you get this little bit of information where she talks about uh like she's like i'm still gonna drink this wine and he's like no like I'm serious. Do you remember the last time you ignored my warning? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and then she says, and she says to him, I also remember. <laughs> oh, and then he pokes her neck about Cal and mine, Right. And then she's like, 
Yeah, but I also remember this one time you told me how witch berries were harmless. And the next thing I knew, I was half delirious and falling all over myself. I said, recalling the afternoon from a few weeks ago, I had hallucinations for hours afterwards. And Lucian had laughed himself sick enough so that Tamlin had chucked him into the reflection pool. And I just that is like my favorite little like tidbit of their like budding friendship Mm -hmm. is like so now they're at the part where they're kind of like siblings right like they've moved Mm -hmm. into this part where they're like pulling pranks on each other and he's kind of like the older brother like messing around like you know like messing with her um but I but I also just love the fact that he was like yeah these are totally harmless (laughs) (laughs) and then they were not harmless um oh that's uh, great yeah I love so, that so yeah, much. Th- those are sort of my two f- most favorite little um, Lucian moments. Although I do also really love it after she tells Tamlin um, that the serial told her that he likes to be brushed and that Lucian like laughs himself to tears basically and then is like, oh my God, brushed. Like, <laughs> you know, just... You know, little tidbits like that. So, right, so we see his character growth, um, and it's but it's interesting. So in this book, we also see some character growth through, um, uh, or character, I'll say growth, um, for her sisters, right? What She goes back to the human court, mm-hmm. or human realm, from the spring court, and she sees a different side of Elaine, and she sees a different side of, Nesta that that she saw before, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. But we see this beautiful moment. So at the beginning of the book, like you're like, who the fuck are these two sisters? They're letting mm-hmm. her do all this work. They're not being helpful. They're spending money left and right when they have it. Like, yeah. who are these people? And then you see this beautiful, I think it's kind of beautiful, this moment, most specifically between Feyre and Nesta, um, where you find out that Tamlin's glamour didn't work on Nesta mm-hmm. and she went after her sister. Yeah. And Feyre is blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of as a reader, you're blown away by it. Um, I was, because but... I totally forgot that she yeah. saw through the glamour and that she did that. So it, like, hit me, like, a ton of bricks again. Yeah. Because I had totally forgotten about that. Um, yeah. And then, but then Feyre has this really interesting moment where she realizes that some of, not all of, like, you know, she still, I think, which I think is really incredible about this book is that she still realizes that some of the stuff that Nesta was doing was not right, right? And Mm -hmm. she shouldn't have been doing it. But she also has this moment where she realizes sort of why some of the other like why she's been acting the way that she's been acting and she you know she gets that insight into this character and they have this beautiful moment where she tells her her whole story about what happened to her in the spring court and then Nesta says to her teach me how to paint like and then and then like the next sentence is like it was as bad as I thought it was gonna be (laughs) but like and I think that um and, like, Elaine, Elaine doesn't have too much character growth. Um, they have a, they have more time to connect once 
Vera comes back from the yeah. spring court. Um, but it appears, for the most part, that Elaine is about the same. But they also, they also have that beautiful moment where they um, make this plan to go to the continent together. And they're going to mm-hmm. travel the world. And um, But I just loved that she, she being Sarah J. Mass, <laughs> um, even took the time to to bring these characters in and give you a little bit more information about them. Um, and again, in kind of a subtle way that you maybe don't pick up on the first time you read it. Mm-hmm. What, what are so your true. thoughts about it? <laughs> I... Yeah, I think I have a hard time with the sisters, but... yeah. I think going back to something I said earlier about how in this time that I read the book, I really, I don't know if I paid more attention to or just picked up more on Mm -hmm. the subtleties of the different aspects of the characters and how there was a lot of not necessarily like conflicting aspects to their personalities, but just, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can't put everything in a bucket of like good and bad you know mm-hmm. if you were going to designate between the two and t- determining you know characteristics of mm-hmm. a person you're going to find both of those in every person right yeah. and i remember you know thinking yes i loved lucian or i can't believe the sisters you know were so terrible mm-hmm. but forgot about exactly like you're talking about these like very distinct yet subtle arcs in whether it's just us being able to see other sides of their personalities Mm -hmm. or some character growth yeah where like I've realized okay so I didn't love Lucian as much as I thought I did like throughout the entire book or oh okay so I didn't dislike the sisters as much because you know you see this aspect of them so Mm -hmm. yeah i um i think too it's been a while since i've reread this book so i've okay you know also just like forgotten some of those more minute details yeah um but yeah it's, it's a it's a good reminder i think for all of us to not think in black and white and recognize that there is good and bad in every person and so just because like your political view is this because that's the one thing right now I feel like that has everyone so divided like oh you're a republican you're a terrible person oh you're a democrat you're a terrible person no sure that's not that's not true and it's I've gotten so frustrated by how divided and how black and white everyone in our society is thinking now like sure so maybe they should all listen to this podcast read <laughs> A Court of Thorns and Roses and recognize that everyone has their thorns but yeah. is also it's... a rose <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's interesting, right? Cause like, it's not, but it's also not just like a recent thing in society. Oh no, we, not at all. Like, it's, we, it's a, it's a thing that I don't know if it's a, just like a human 
tendency or... Well, it definitely... I think it definitely is, right? Because we have this tendency that when we, like, in society, if you're a good person, quote unquote, you're only good, right? Mm -hmm. And we lift... And we lift these people up as these, like... Especially if they're in the public eye or whatever, we lift these people up on these pedestals mm-hmm. and we don't take the time to acknowledge that nobody is perfect, right? So mm-hmm. you can be a good person or a quote-unquote mostly good person mm-hmm. and and make bad decisions, but you can also be a quote-unquote bad person and like have had instances where you weren't a horrific person, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, um, you know, like, there's, okay, so, I don't remember what I was watching, but there was something, and they were talking about that, and it's like, without a doubt, right, like, Hitler was horrific, horrifying, awful human being, without a doubt. But, like, there's pictures of him, like, taking a walk with his young niece and, like, doing these things. And, like, people today are like, well, I would have never let my niece near him or, like, my daughter near him. And it's like, well, unfortunately, probably to his family, like, he wasn't, like, they probably saw another side to him mm-hmm. than, the, than the horrible monster that he was, you know, and, like, all of yeah. the things that he did, right? Like... And, but people can't bring themselves to understand that somebody who's awful and horrific like that might have also had instances where he wasn't 100% a monster all of the time. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. Like, when people are like, oh, you're so good, sometimes people make a shitty decision, right? And it's so, and it's so, so it's, it's easy in these instances, right? Like, where by the end of the book, we love Lucian. To be like, oh, I loved him the whole time. And then you're like, oh, but he was kind of a dick in the beginning. Or like, mm. oh my god, I hate these sisters. Oh, but maybe... Oh, there is more than just one... They're not one-faceted, right? Like, mm-hmm. which is so hard to come to terms with sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I think, too, black and white thinking is so much easier. Because you get to put someone in one bucket or another, there's, it's, you have two options, that's it, it's not, you know, (laughs) anything in between, there are no, like, questions about, you know, how you're supposed to view someone, and, yeah, 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 I feel like I do need to be like, okay, here's an, uh, I'm feeling really weird about having used Hitler as my um, example and not having like another example. So like real quick, like let's just, I I feel like I need to even this out. So like George Washington, right? He did a lot of great things. Father of our country, blah, blah, blah. Won the war, independence, first president, amazing, but also slave owner. Like, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, question like you know like there's not like it's I just like I felt like I needed to just like have a little bit of balance there because I was like (laughs) I also just want to reiterate again zero question Hitler awful horrible monster 
the end. <laughs> like, I just, like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I just, I really hope people know that I'm not saying anything good about Hitler. The end of that, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Now that my panic is a little bit better, do you want to talk about the end? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get back to the book. Tis the end of this book. I don't know what song that is. Uh, <laughs> sometimes Ellen just sings and she maybe shouldn't. Um, I love it always. So these trials, man, like, oh my God, they're horrifying. I think um, I kind of, I don't know if I just blocked it out or I just forgot like how terrible they were. Right? That reading them again, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. This is so horrible. Like, how how did she survive these, first of all? And second of all, how is she going to survive, like, living with herself after I going know. through these terrible three months? Yes. So I, I especially feel that after the last um, um trial that she has right oh yeah she so we find out right her third trial so we'll just run through it really fast first trial Midgard worm second trial fire prison ordeal reading i wish yeah it, i wish it had a i wish it had a better word <laughs> like a name for the trial it doesn't third trial amarantha put lays it out so seemingly innocently right just kill these three. Just kill them. Just kill these three Fey. And, like, logically, right, it's like that trolley problem. Like, the moral trolley problem. Like, you're on the trolley. Mm-hmm. You can stay on course and kill five people. Or you can pull the lever, switch course, and kill one person. Right? Like, mm-hmm. s- kill the one to save the many. So, like, logically, we can probably all say, well, yeah, of course. You'd pull the lever and you'd kill the one person to save the five people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but then it's like, but have you actually ever been in that situation yeah. mm-hmm. where you have to physically, so, because, right, because then when you're in that situation, you're like, so you can be a passive part of it and not technically be responsible for anything and right. kill five people, or you can take that responsibility onto yourself and kill the one person. And so, like, when I read this part, I'm always like, logically, it of course makes sense, right? Just kill these three people, It's off- or these three fey, it's awful, it's gonna suck, but you're saving the rest of Prithian, right? Yeah. But... You're not the, like, I'm not the one who has to live with myself having, and, and Amarantha makes her kill her, them, there is a one her, uh, but in, in such a, an intimate way, mm-hmm. right? Like, she doesn't get to shoot them with an arrow, she doesn't get to cut their head off with a sword, she gets a, a knife and she has to stab them in the heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Oh my god, it's just horrifying. And then to make matters worse, they pull the 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 hood off the third fay and it's Tamlin. Yep. Right? So like um can you I can't like the first time I read that Oh my gosh, my the heart first time stopped. The first time reading that was terrible. 
because you, I didn't pick up on the stone heart thing the first time. Oh I my god, of course book. not. Also, me neither. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Like, but then even after she put pieces that together, right? That she's heard multiple times that Tamlin has this heart of stone. Mm-hmm. She's not sure that that it that it actually means what she thinks it means. Right. She has to take this leap of faith that he actually has a stone heart. Otherwise, she's about to stab the heart of the man that she has literally wrecked herself for. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she's done all of these things that she can hardly live with anymore. And, and if he doesn't actually have a stone heart and she actually kills him, then what on earth was all of it for? You know, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Oh yeah. But what a, also on the flip side, what a brilliant, like Sarah, oh my gosh. How did you even like <laughs> think of that? Like, oh my She's gosh. She's a brilliantly devious mind. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, thankfully yeah. it all worked. I mean, I, I say it all worked out, but she dies, right? So She dies. She kills Tufei. She kills Tufei. Yeah, she dies. Thankfully, Amarantha dies at the end. But I, um, um, I... Want to talk a smidge about the riddle? Also, quickly, but not okay. a, right. But we don't have to talk about it right the second. So, I remember reading this the first time, and she stabs Tamlin. She figures it out, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't die. Thankfully, she was right. His heart is made of stone. Yeah, and you're like, yes, we won the day. Yes, and you're like, yes, he's about to get his power back. Right? Because when she started the trials, Amarantha was like, if you figure out this riddle, immediately I won't even have to lift a hand, everybody will be free. So in my head, the first time I read it, that just meant if she also finished the trials, immediately everybody would be free. But of Mm -hmm. course, we find out that that's not actually the case because Amarantha's like, you never specified when I have to free everybody. And then of course, immediately I was like, God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, Amarantha's like, and oh, by the way, I'm about to kill you. Right? And so she starts attacking her. And then right at the end there, Feyre has that moment where she finally figures out what the riddle means. And she tells her the answer. And then, of course, that's when immediately the magic right. frees everybody. And it frees, most importantly, Tamlin in this moment. Um, but that's also the moment when Amarantha kills her. Like, mm-hmm. and I was, I remember <laughs> the first time I read this book, I, there was a moment right here, Alex, where I was so mad at you <laughs> before you realize, because that's the end of the chapter is when she's like, and then she broke my back irreparably or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment before I turn the page where I was like, if she does not come back to life. How dare you have introduced me to this book where I fall <laughs> in love with this main character so much and she's dead at the end of the book, the first book. Like, I, <laughs> I was like, Alex. And then of course, <laughs> I turn the page and then you find out that she's sort of like floating, like she's seeing everything 
from above like so she can still see what's going on like she hasn't fully mm-hmm. left the room like you don't know where she is but she's still sort of watching everything unfold right um so she gets to watch tamlin kill amarantha also did you remember that he stabbed her through the head no. and ripped out her throat like i did not like i remembered that he killed her but i remember especially in this read through is i think it's really when it sunk in and i was like oh oh da- oh damn like <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um so that was crazy and then um for the um and then he gets all the high lords to donate their little seed mm-hmm. that sounds really gross Okay. To clarify, it's a magic actual like seed, not anything else. <laughs> um, and bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, whew, thankfully, that's the case. Yes, thank goodness. Um, and then and then she's so technically, I forgot that like it wasn't actually asked of the high lords; they just did that on their own. Starting yes, true. With the High Lord of the Autumn Court, which right I thought was odd that yes. they just like on their own were like, "All right, here you go." Right. Well, I mean, it's odd, and it's kind of not odd, right? Like on the one hand, it's odd, but on the flip side, like, like ideally, that's how you'd want them to react, right? You've just killed yourself to free them all and if they have this ability to bring you back to life like right. on the one side you would hope that that's how they would react but especially for it to start with this this high lord that we don't really know much about but we know that he's not great because we know about poor lucian's backstory mm-hmm. you know like yeah that's weird um i wonder if lucian's mom was like hey <laughs> you go on like <laughs> You, you know what to do. Um, but I just want mostly about the riddle. I just wanted to say I'm so bad at riddles. I would have I would have never figured that out. Me neither. Yeah, I had that as a note. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I completely forgot um, that. Yes, I still couldn't remember what the answer to the riddle was. Like I that also I completely forgot about it. But mm-hmm. I like I read through the riddle and like none of it was computing i was like i have no idea what the heck this is saying <laughs> like i'm never going to be able to figure this out like i can't believe Farah figures this out gosh why can i never think outside of the box like why is something that's not straightforward so hard for me <laughs> like, yeah it was just <laughs> i started spiraling a little bit there <laughs> yeah i am not good at riddles so dear universe if you need me to save the world Please don't put it in riddle form. Or if you do, send me someone who's good at riddles. <laughs> mm-hmm, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Um, that's kind of all that I wanted to talk about about the end. Yeah, I think I just wanted to say that I'm so excited that we're finally talking about Sarah J. Mass on our podcast. Yes. Like, I I love her book so much. I know you also do too. Yes. Like we're such super fans of hers. I think and her I think books. the correct term that I've been seeing on the interwebs is mass trash. 
just FYI. So I think I think that's the correct term, but maybe I'm wrong. Because okay. like trash trash means like a good thing these days. I oh. guess the kids I'm so are... not up on the lingo. I know. <laughs> Me neither. But I think that's the appropriate term. Okay. But I don't. Maybe I could be wrong. Okay. Well, mass. We're... I think I said moss again. We're very excited to be rereading all of these books in anticipation of reading the latest book. I know. Oh my gosh, we're having such a hard time. I know. So we did not plan this the best way. We're stupid and planned out. Oh yeah, we were stupid, but we were also being. We were stupid, but we were also being considerate of me, which I do appreciate mostly but I'm also like not appreciating well considerate of you as well as like I think your reasoning was well we don't want to put it out right afterwards because what if people aren't going to read it right away or if right. other people are going to like reread the how we did and so right we don't want to have it out and have people have to wait so might as well just like publish it a little bit later to give make sure everyone catches up on their reading right. so that they can listen along. Which, True. like, makes sense, but now I'm like, damn it, I want to read the book! <laughs> I know, me too. But, yes, we're very excited. So that's the one book that we haven't read yet, is her is her newest one. So we're very excited about that. Um, and I agree. I'm so excited to be talking about these yet again with you. Because um, I also think that this, the fact that this series and then Sarah J. Mass's other series... Like, I think those were the dis- book discussions that, like, right in our first episode, we sort of talked about how we found that we were talking about books a lot, and, like, why not try to start a podcast? And I think these were the the series that really, at least to me, made that seem like such a, the right move for us, because we were talking about these books mm-hmm. all the time, <laughs> and I was like, I would love to talk to Alex about these books, for sure, but also other books, um... Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it was definitely these books that really increased the amount of time that we spent talking about books with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, everyone, join us next week for our discussion of book two um, of the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Um, if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. Um, at UPM Pod Official on Instagram, we're the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast, and email us and tell us what you thought about this book. If you're excited about reading the new books, other books we've talked about, books we should read, whatever, at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast at gmail.com. And I think we'll see you next week.